0: Hi, everyone. My name is Deepak Dayama. I'm a product manager in the container services team. I'm joined today uh, by Arya and Gad from KPMG. First of all, thank you for attending this session at this time of the day. Uh, We truly have the container faithful here. Uh, So it's awesome to be here after a year. Uh, We launched AWS Fargate uh, at last reInvent and uh, several of our customers have adopted it. And in this session, uh, we will share from a service perspective, what are some of the uh, best practices as we see them when you manage uh, your environments for deployment, how to do it safely, how to maintain isolation. Uh, And then we look at what KPMG has built uh, with Fargate uh, for their customers. This is a 300-level session, so uh, the assumption here is you know what containers are, uh, you know uh, what ECS is, and Fargate is. Even if you you may not have played around with it, uh, otherwise you know a lot of the content that we go through uh, may not make sense. So a couple of related breakouts. Actually, the first one is happening, uh, you know, right now in, in about like about an hour. So if someone wants to run to that one instead, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) Uh, And then we have another one which dives deeper into how to do debugging for, uh, and and have visibility into your applications when you deploy onto Fargate. Um, Especially important as you think about, uh, you know, the level of abstraction that Fargate provides. So this is our agenda today. Uh, We'll quickly go over Fargate, uh, how it fits into the container service offerings at AWS, uh, what are some of the key primitives you should understand before we dive dive deeper into managing multiple environments uh, with AWS Fargate and some of the best practices. uh, And then we go into the KPMG use cases here. So here is a quick overview of the container services landscape at Amazon at the orchestration layer or container management layer we have two offerings one is amazon ecs built ground up in amazon uh, it's a multi tenant uh, control plane where uh, you which manages uh, containers for you across your ec2 instances and now fargate as well uh, and as of uh, last reInvent, we also announced the preview of amazon eks which has now gone ga which is the Kubernetes offering from AWS. At the hosting layer, uh, you still have to run these containers somewhere. You can manage them at scale using the Amazon ECS or EKS, uh, but you need to run them somewhere. That somewhere is either EC2 uh, that you manage yourself, or you just run them on Fargate, which is serverless containers. And lastly, you need to store those images somewhere so that you can deploy across the different services that you plan to deploy on. And that's with Amazon ECR. So before container management, you had to run containers across your instances, but there's a bunch of software you need to run along with it to be able to support your containers. So in this case, the the orange boxes that you see are are tasks, tasks are essentially groups of containers which embody your application. And on top of that, you had to run your EC2 instances, you had to pick the right size of EC2 instances, and you had to manage the operating system, the Docker daemon, because you're running Docker containers, and also an agent if you're running ECS. Uh, ECS made it easy to run these at scale, build large clusters, launch thousands of containers on it uh, it managed uh, from a cluster perspective, the cluster health, which are the instances that with that are registered, and where can I place these containers using the placement engine uh, with advanced placement strategies. But you still had these layers of management. So with Fargate, uh, you do, now you do not have to worry about launching your containers on EC2 instances. You do not have to worry about patching, updating, managing enough headroom in terms of capacity uh, when you want to launch your containers. You, it's simply an API to launch your containers on demand. AWS manages all the underlying infrastructure for you. So as you see over here in the previous uh, diagram, Fargate Uh, is the underlying layer, so it does not expose new primitives in itself. It does not create new endpoints. You do not have to learn yet another thing to be able to launch your serverless containers. Uh, The primitives that you use are ECS primitives. So for the rest of this talk, we will be referring to these primitives, uh, so let's get acquainted with them uh, so that it makes sense. The ECS primitives apply to both Fargate and the EC2 Uh, that you used to run before Fargate as well. The first is task definition. This is how I define my application. Uh, A task definition specifies what are the number of containers, uh, up to 10 is what you can have, number of containers I'm going to have in this, uh, where are those images that I'm going to pull for them, what is the networking going to look like for those containers, what are the ports I'm going to expose, Uh, and what is the size of these containers or the size of the task itself. So you define your application, but these applications need to run within a certain boundary, and that is called a cluster. A cluster uh, used to represent both a capacity as well as an administrative boundary. Uh, With Fargate, uh, that changes. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But within that cluster, you run all your applications. They can either run as a standalone task, just like you run you know, just an EC2 VM, you just run it. Uh, a ta- and, but that task is, you, you have to manage it. Uh, you have to manage its uptime. If you just want to launch a number of tasks and not worry about uh, managing for its availability, you can run it as a service. It creates replicas of the task and it can be fronted by a load balancer and you can have uh, and ECS takes care of m- making sure we run the desired number of tasks that you have specified and spawn new tasks when, it, when the time is to to scale or scale down. So these are the constructs. Uh, so now you can run Fargate without uh, having to modify your task definition, uh, which means within ECS console itself, this is the decision you have to make. Uh, do I launch, I defined. I want to define my application, will I want to launch it on, EC, on EC2 instances or do I just launch them on Fargate? Uh, as you see in the command uh, below here, uh, basically I've, I've given a run task command and only at the time of launching, I'm saying, well, launch it as a type of Fargate. I could have taken the same application, run it on EC2 instead. So it's great, you know, you get serverless containers, Uh, You do not have to worry about patching. Uh, Can I just run every application that I have on on Fargate? Or do I have to make an either-or decision for all applications within that particular cluster? Uh, The answer is actually, it really depends on what assumptions your application is making on the underlying infrastructure. You may not be able to run all applications on Fargate, at least today. Here are some examples. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but if you're you going to use GPUs, uh, that's not available on Fargate today. If you're going to run Windows native containers, you can run .NET Core, but if you're going to run Windows native, you cannot run them on Fargate today. Uh, ECS provides a great integration with EC2 Spot Fleet, but that's available only with EC2 Launch Type. There's no Fargate Spot at this point. Uh, again, if you care about certain uh, specificity around instances, you care about an instruction set uh, that is only available on, on a certain instance, uh, you should look at using EC2 instances for those applications. Uh, <clears throat> because Fargate manages the underlying infrastructure for you, uh, for all your servers, uh, You can. there's a separation of, of responsibility, but AWS manages the underlying infrastructure. Uh, and therefore, there cannot be any privilege uh, given to the containers, so no privileged containers. Uh, daemon sets are sort of obsolete because daemon sets uh, assume that it is uh, a set of nodes that need to run. When you run your applications on Fargate, there's no concept of a node. There's just your application, there's just your task. Okay. So the answer is, to the to the question i raised earlier around well whether, whether it's an either or decision for all of my applications uh, the answer is you can actually run them in the same administrative boundary uh, within the same ecs cluster side by side so let's just say i have an app i have multiple applications for my business uh, and i want to run them across three availability zones as a best practice for high availability uh, they are uh, you know three different uh, subnets in the same vpc and i have these applications but my notifications application is not ready to move to fargate yet because it uses uh, it it uses ebs and fargate does not support ebs yet so you but at the same time you can still run your web and shopping application as fargate launch type and you can run your notifications applications on your ec2 launch type uh, they will run in the same cluster boundary in the same subnets and the same VPC that you own. Uh, so it's not really a what we call a one-way door where if you choose to migrate your application to Fargate or run it on Fargate first because it was easy and now you well you realize, well, I, I have certain uh, assumptions on instances that I want to run it on and I want to move it back to EC2, you can totally do that uh, without really compromising on uh, some sort of your, your your location of the service uh, and how it affects the rest of the services that you may be running in your cluster and your VPC. But as far as Fargate is concerned, the cluster is only an administrative boundary. Uh, There's no capacity associated with your cluster anymore unless you're running EC2 and Fargate side by side. Uh, You define the ECS cluster the same way. And this is important because uh, you want to be able to have different environments here. So let's talk about how you enforce uh, different kinds of permissions, uh, especially when uh, you have different environments and different applications to manage. So the first level of permission is what we call cluster permission. Cluster permission determines who can run, see tasks or services or perform certain describe actions within this particular, particular cluster. The second is, application permission. It's the uh, role under which the application runs, the Fargate tasks run, and it determines what kind of AWS resources it is allowed to access. For example, only the payment app can write to a DynamoDB table, right? So you run it under a specific role which has access to that particular table, right? Uh, And lastly, there's a bunch of magic that needs to happen under the covers for Fargate Uh, for it to be seamless for you uh, from a serverless containers perspective. But this is, we make it explicit through a uh, policy and you run it under what we call a task execution role. Uh, This is when Fargate does an image pull for you or it needs to send your application logs to CloudWatch logs in your own account. Uh, We need to send those logs to your account. So you need to give us permissions for us to be able to do that. And uh, also, we need, permission, we need permissions from a networking perspective to provision a networking interface, deprovision them, and so on. So, now you've set up your cluster permissions. So, you can actually have a separation between your environments. Let's just say here I have a prod and beta clusters. For all my developers, I've given, you know, they can spin up as many dev, dev clusters as they want. ECS clusters are nothing but an administrative boundary, there's no control plane that you have to run separately. Uh, and then there's a QA cluster. But I have hired some uh, you know, contractors to do QA for me in the QA cluster. I do not want them to describe or do anything on my prod or beta clusters. So you can u- enforce your uh, boundary at the cluster level itself. So another aspect of managing these multiple environments uh, from you know, we covered compute uh, from a compute perspective. By the way, within your, your cluster, your tasks uh, do not share the uh, the underlying uh, kernel, for example, with other tasks. So you have complete separation even among applications uh, within the same cluster. As you as you sort of design your your cluster and the applications that need to run within it. Uh, so the other aspect is is networking, uh, which is equally important. So there are different aspects here. Uh, first is at the task level, how, do you, how does networking work for my applications? Uh, just because you have you know, uh, you've operated into Fargate and you're letting AWS take care of the underlying infrastructure does not mean you give up control of the networking, right? So you, we still have a dedicated ENI for each Fargate task. Um, the Fargate tasks run only in your VPCs, and in the subnets that you designate to us. Uh, You have full control uh, of the network access. You can apply uh, your security groups, just like you do for any ENI with with EC2 today, and it has public IP support. So you really get a native VPC behavior between both your Fargate tasks, your EC2 instances. You do not really have to uh, think about, well, how is my subnet routing going to work, or how is my you know, um, you know, NACL going to get uh, going to work, for example. And at the service level, um, the way you want to, you know, doing multi availability zone uh, deployment is uh, if you want to do that as a as a best practice, you want to map, uh, you want to actually specify the subnets you want to run the Fargate service in, uh, and just by that you actually achieve achieve a multi AZ. Uh, deployment. Now at the cluster level, uh, from a separation of uh, of your different environments perspective, we do not enforce or even define at the cluster level that this cluster has to map to a particular VPC. Uh, but we do recommend uh, that you try to map, uh, you know, a particular cluster, especially like a dev environment to its own VPC or at least its own CIDR range. Uh, to, you do not want fate sharing between your different environments, uh, just because uh, you know someone someone's application scaled too too much, uh, which was not yours or it was in a different cluster, and suddenly you're out of IP space, or someone changed the configuration for the internet gateway, and or subnet routing, and suddenly you're you're having uh, unknown issues now. Uh, so definitely consider uh, you know at least doing a VPC to cluster mapping, or or maybe at least a side range. So we talked about how uh, networking works at the task level um, at service level, but uh, how, do, how do my applications in these different environments uh, talk to each other? Um, so we have, uh, earlier this year, launched uh, Service Discovery. Uh, what Service Discovery uh, enables you to do is to maintain the same, um, same code across different environments. And your services can address using a, a friendly C name. Uh, and it is built on Route 53 auto naming. Uh, so, this is two services, highly available AWS services uh, like ECS and, and, and Route 53. Uh, so, you get a managed experience which is uh, highly available. And there are no boundaries as such uh, with respect to uh, you know, how you can do your auto discovery. If you want to do it across multiple environments, you're welcome to do that. Uh, but the key is that your uh, applications can can get can remain unchanged across these different environments. Uh, we have, uh, as part of the service discovery offering, uh, created Route 53 APIs for the name creation of the namespace first of all, uh, and the C name creation for your services. Uh, the the ECS scheduler uh, on its end, what it does is it, whenever a new task comes up, uh, it registers. Uh, with the service discovery service as a potential backend, which can now accept traffic uh, once it's healthy, and uh, it basically it registers a, a task IP and port. So now we've talked about uh, networking. Let's talk about a concept which is specific to Fargate. Uh, everything we discussed so far applies to EC2 launch type, Fargate launch type, Uh, In case of Fargate specifically, uh, we have a notion of platform versions. Uh, Right now, we have three platform versions that are shipping today. Uh, The way we look at platform versions is, we want to provide a reliable, consistent environment once you have deployed your applications in production. So, no new, Feature changes, there may be features that do not need a lot of changes in the underlying infrastructure. In that case, we just make them available across all platform versions. But if there are any changes that that have to happen, they go into a new version. We roll out a new platform version. Uh, For example, as part of platform version 1.2, we launch access to private registry authentication. Uh, So if you are using something that's not Amazon ECR, uh, you can use that feature that required some changes. Uh, we do, however, patch uh, and update and manage the, uh, the, the versions that are already out there for uh, bug fixes and security fixes uh, to make sure your, your environment is always secure. Now, when a new, so one thing I, I do want to note uh, that tends to sometimes you know, throw people off and I, and I get questions on is the latest pointer that we have. So when you launch a service, you want to launch it on the latest because it has all the feature functionality, Uh, but it does not mean that by picking that, you will automatically be upgraded across versions. Uh, Let's just say, well, today, latest points to 1.2. When we launch 1.3, for example, you will not be moved automatically. Uh, It's, you know, you have control over when you want to move across versions uh, and uh, the way to do it is, you know, you don't have to change your application definition or your count of how many tasks you need. Uh, you do a sort of a forced deployment and it triggers a new deployment to the 1.3, for example. So um, just wanted to clarify that. Uh, so for example here, uh, you know, you know, one, one way to think about it is, you know, I want to test any new platform version in my beta cluster first. And uh, by the way, these versions are only service specific so it's not really a cluster setting uh, but you can you can make a directional uh, decision to say well this is this is what the the production traffic will run on right and and your services can can migrate and deploy to 1.2 uh, and you can use the latest and greatest in beta to qualify make sure things are working as expected uh, before you move your production environment as well so you know, you're, uh, for, with your platform versions, uh, we, you know, you can you can safely uh, deploy uh, across different uh, uh, different uh, app, um, environments. Uh, with respect to compliance, all ECS compliances uh, apply to both Fargate and EC two launch type. Uh, so, ECS is compliant with SOC one two three PCI, uh, HIPAA and ISO, and uh, We're also looking at uh, some other compliances in the future. Happy to talk about that later. Uh, Some of our customers who have been using Fargate at scale in the year since we launched uh, are over here. Uh, One of them is KPMG, and we are really uh, fortunate to have them on stage. So I'll just hand it over to Ariane.
1: Thanks very much. Hi everyone, thanks for being here today. My name's Ariane Gad, I'm a DevOps engineer at KPMG. Uh, Uh, So I'm going to be discussing with you today uh, a use case whereby KPMG deployed microservices to AWS Fargate. We're going to be discussing how we took an existing solution already running in AWS And we we redeveloped and re-architected that uh, so that it could be uh, microservices, which could be containerized, uh, and then deployed out to uh, AWS Fargate, and how we managed that CICD pipeline for um, deploying out the infrastructure and application. Uh, So we were looking at how we could take that existing solution in AWS, optimize it for scalability, resiliency, and elasticity, uh, for ease of deployment and management by migrating to microservices and containers. So a little bit about me and my my role at KPMG. Uh, I work in a team called uh, CloudOps in KPM in solutions and digital. Uh, I joined four years ago, uh, and uh, when I joined there was only three of us in the team uh, with one project running in AWS. We're now up to nearly 100 engineers, Uh, we've got 250 production workloads 90 percent of which are in aws uh, we've also uh, got another arm of cloud ops where we're actually going out to our clients and advising them on their business cloud strategies now uh, so uh, we're delivering technology solutions to our clients and also advising on them on how they can build out in the cloud uh, to meet regulations and compliance we work across all sectors, globally, Uh, so we have clients not just in the UK but all over the world. Um, So the main sector that we're working in at the moment is the financial services sector. Uh, The use case I'm going to discuss with you today is a bank uh, and most of our transformation projects are in the financial services sector, but we also have projects running with the government civil service, retail sector, and also we've delivered solutions uh, for our colleagues internally in the tax and audit functions at KPMG. So the solution that we, I'm gonna discuss with you today, so two years ago we built a customer due diligence solution for a global international bank. Uh, it's sort of know your customer type thing. Uh, it's about 24, 25 different applications all integrated running in AWS. Uh, it's been successfully running for the past, uh, over, the, over the past year uh, and so, recently, earlier this year, we sold it on to another uh, large bank based in the UK. But we thought, how can we look at re-architecting this solution uh, and redesign it so to optimise it for being in the cloud? The initial solution, whilst it's been running successfully, uh, had a lot of pets. Uh, so we are having SQL Server 2008 running on AC2, which meant the need for database administrators, privileged access management to those servers, uh, regular patching. So we wanted to look at how we could re-architect that so it would be immutable, scalable, highly available uh, for, the, for the new project. Uh, so our developers re-de- redeveloped the application, the front end, to a number of microservices which could then be containerized and run in uh, AWS Elastic Container Service. So we went from running .NET C-sharp code on in Windows EC2 web servers to um, running with AWS Fargate containerized with a mixture of Python, Node.js, .NET Core. We went from our existing CICD pipeline, which was Team City and Octopus Deploy, uh, to deploying that .NET code out to Windows EC2 web servers to using uh, Docker and and Jenkins. And finally, we were using uh, CloudFormation as our infrastructure as code pipeline. Uh, and we moved from that to Terraform. And the reason for that is not because we, and cloud, Terraform offered anything over and above cloud formation, uh, but the main reason being was because we've, as we grew over the past two years to um, a much larger team, we needed to standardize our infrastructure as code pipeline. So we had multiple projects that were using all the same repository of uh, Terraform code and that allows us to put a set of security controls around every environment, things such as AWS config, uh, CloudTrail enabled in all regions, but also now we could take the solution and deploy that out to uh, other, now we've built the Fargate modules, we can now deploy the same solution out to other clients. So this is the uh, reference architecture that we came up with for our uh, new customer due diligence solution. So uh, underpinning the entire solution, we had a workflow management tool that was actually running on EC2 Linux, uh, all in auto-scaling, highly available. um, But then the rest of it was running with ECS Fargate. So it was a number of different microservices, all one uh, Fargate cluster. Each microservice is a different service, a different Fargate service. Some of them are talking to S3, some of them DynamoDB, all using ECS task execution roles with permissions out to those tables or buckets, uh, and each of them behind uh, an application load balancer as well. Uh, And we're using service discovery for the apps to talk to each other. Why did we go with ECS Fargate over EC2? Uh, we wanted to go for a managed container service. First of all, for immutability. We didn't want our the abil- the, uh, developers or our, our administrators to be able to log into those servers. The cluster resource provisioning is all handled by AWS Fargate. We didn't have to manage the patching of the operating system, so the overheads from our team would be a lot lower. Uh, it also handles scalability and sec- all the security is managed by AWS, uh, so there's a smaller service area for attacks. So we've designed our solution, we've designed the reference architecture, how we want to deploy it, and our developers have started building out these microservices with uh, Docker files in order for us to build out uh, images that could be containerized. Then we had to start thinking about our path to production. How were we gonna get from what we wanted to build from development into production and manage that CICD pipeline? We had a different AWS account for each environment, so one for development, for UAT, pre-production, production. production. And then we had separate AWS accounts uh, for central services. We actually had two, one for production, one for non-production, and that was uh, security reasons stipulated by the bank. Uh, And in those accounts, we had uh, shared services by the environments, things such as the ECR repositories, which uh, the the images were deployed to, and then with permissions uh, on those ECR ECR repositories, out to the relevant accounts. Uh, Other things such as uh, Active Directory, WorkSpaces, SES, uh, Route 53, uh, and our Jenkins slaves were also sitting in those environments. So we had a Jenkins pipeline for CICD, which would, when the developers commit their code into a BitBucket repository, uh, the Jenkins job would be triggered. It would build that image, deploy that to the ECS, the ECR repository in the central services account, and then that would be... um, that would trigger another step in the Jenkins pipeline which would deploy that to the Fargate service relevant to the microservice using the ECS deploy CLI. For simplicity, we decided to go for two different um, pipelines, one for infrastructure deployment, one for application deployment. Uh, The the top line is the infrastructure deployment pipeline. So when we commit our Terraform code to a Bitbucket repository, uh, to the master branch that would trigger a deployment, that would trigger the deployment of the Terraform code out to the environments. Uh, we're also using Vault for secret management. Uh, and then the bottom line is the application deployment, which is uh, a bit Bitbucket repository. Uh, the developers would commit their code there, uh, trigger a Jenkins job to build the Docker image, deploy that to ECR, ECR repository, which would then trigger a, to the, that to be deployed to the ECS Fargate service in each environment. Uh, so now I'm going to actually show you what that looks like in uh, Jenkins pipeline, what what the what the actual code looked like. So uh, it's written in Groovy, very simple pipeline set of stages. Uh, this is a snippet from the first step of the pipeline, which is to pull a base image from the ECR repository. Uh, sorry, to pull a base image that uh, it sits in our ECR repository, and all of our Docker files are built off that image. Uh, it then checks out the code that's been re- pushed to the BitBucket repository by our developers, and then it builds the image, uh, and pushes that to the ECR repository. Uh, It tags this image with a Jenkins build number, so for versioning, uh, so we can keep track of each each release. And then the next step is to deploy that to Fargate. Uh, And we chose to go with the the ECS deploy CLI, which is available on GitHub. Uh, The reason we didn't go with AWS CLI uh, was because when at the time of building this, it didn't allow us to update an individual property in a task definition. That meant we had to create a whole new task definition and then force update the service, which was actually three separate AWS CLI commands, which got a bit messy. But the ECS deploy allowed us to update just one property in the task definition. Uh, so the, in this case, the image, cont- the container name of the image which is the latest revision that we've just deployed to our ECR repository, so uh, with, the, with the tag of the build number. So just one very simple command. What that does is it updates the uh, task definition, creates a new revision, and then automatically the service then um, picks up the new task definition, deploys a new container with the latest image, and um, once that's up and healthy, it will uh, take down the previous version. Going back to our deployment pipeline, so that's, we've just discussed the pipeline for the application deployment. However, in a minute, we're going to have a look at the task definition JSON, which is deployed by Terraform, and this has an image tag in that, that's in that Terraform state file. So if we were to then go ahead and run our Terraform pipeline, it's going to roll back to the tag on that task definition JSON, and it was going to roll back our image to whatever that is because that's what's within the state file. So we had conflicting pipelines here. We had to look at how we could manage this going forward. Uh, as we were starting to build more and more releases, we couldn't keep updating the, the Terraform each time. So looking at the task definition JSON, you can see here uh, the image, uh, the tag there is latest. So anything tagged as latest is what Terraform wants the image to be in your container. So if we're, we're tagging it with that Jenkins build number as well, uh, it's going to roll back when we run Terraform. What we did is I'm going to show you some snippets of our Terraform code now. Um, if, is We output a data source uh, in our Fargate module, uh, which output the task definition family of the microservice. And this meant that every time Terraform was run, the Fargate service resource would look for the, the most recently deployed revision of the task definition rather than the task definition defined in the Terraform state file. Lastly, we had to think about how our services were gonna talk to the relevant S3 buckets, DynamoDB, and each other. Uh, So this is back to our reference architecture. Looking here, you can see some of them are using different services with the roles defined, but we actually had to to define environment variables in order for them to talk to each other. So for example, as you would with Docker, tag env, in Fargate, you use environment variables. So looking back at the uh, task definition JSON, You can see here we've defined in that template file the environment variables that we want that microservice to be talking to. Uh, And then in our Terraform uh, resource module that gets deployed out as part of our infrastructure as code pipeline, um, we reference the template file, uh, which is the task definition JSON file. Uh, And then we add there the required... um, variables. So in this case, you've got the service discovery endpoint the, and an S3 bucket. And, and the good thing about this as well is we can actually reference other modules uh, that were deployed as part of our Terraform uh, infrastructure as code pipeline because, uh, so you can see here, it's looking for an S3 bucket as part of another module. So we don't have to run uh, separate uh, separate uh, hard-coded uh, S3 buckets here. We can We can reference that. So we we wanted to deploy to Fargate. We had our, we've, we've deployed all of our um, CICD pipelines. How did we convince the client, the bank, to go with Fargate and containers? Well, containers, uh, the, the, the banks already understand the benefits of Docker um, uh, for ease of deployment and scalability. Um, we found that Farg- we, we were able to convince them Fargate integrates very well with the other AWS services that we were planning on using for them, so uh, ECS, ECR. We could use the bank's existing tool sets and skill sets. So they were already using uh, Jenkins and Bitbucket, uh, so we, we could reuse that, and then therefore, we can use the skills that they already had. Uh, we actually found that there was a, compared to running um, an EC2 launch type, the cost of ownership was actually lower than um, EC2, ECS EC2 um, because of thing, overheads like managing, patching, and so on. Uh, and Obviously, uh, the AWS stats speak for themselves. Uh, They've got the SLA and all those compliance controls there with Fargate, which actually worked out more secure for um, going with Fargate than with EC2, which uh, was obviously a very big positive for the bank. Additionally, we had to put additional security controls on it, naturally. Fargate runs in your own VPC, so all the networking and subnets is controlled by you, so we could ensure that we were putting it in private subnets. We had those security group rules. We had that control over the networking. Uh, We have all of the microservices behind an application load balancer, which allows us to put uh, AWS WAF in front of that with SSL terminating on the load balancers. We've got all logs enabled, uh, and it's shipped to CloudWatch Logs, the integration with ECS Fargate and CloudWatch Logs. Uh, and we also use a third party tool called Twistlock uh, for, that, for container security, so we can create our own policies which ensure security right from the creation of that image uh, to the deployed containerized microservices in Fargate. And finally, AWS managed the server, so we can be sure the security controls are in place at the server level uh, with the automatic scalability to m- mitigate in the event of any attacks. So why did we go with AWS? Well, we've been using AWS now for four years, uh, and we found that it allows us to significantly reduce our costs compared to running things on-premise. We're able to take advantage, uh, as a wider team, we're able to take advantage of things like bring your own license with uh, RDS and uh, reserved instances. We found that we've already got our infrastructure as code there, we've already built it, we can deploy our environments incredibly quickly for new projects, taking existing solutions and deploying them to new clients, so the speed of delivery is much quicker. And finally, we've already got our existing CICD pipelines which lend themselves to AWS, so we're allowed to collaborate with our developers and have a DevOps culture, get that application code deployed quickly, uh, iterate on that and get out new iterations to our clients much faster. So what's the future for KPMG and AWS? Well, as I've mentioned, we've got, two, we've got 90% of our production workloads already in AWS. We're hosting banks, banking clients, confidential data in AWS. We've got a growing team of uh, certified engineers. So I would say elite, uh, most of our team have at least one AWS certification. We've got an alliance partnership with AWS. Uh, And as I mentioned before, we've been growing exponentially over the last four years, and there's no signs of that slowing down. So there's no signs of our usage of AWS slowing down either. Thank you very much all for listening. Uh, Any questions, then just come find us at the end. Uh, And please also give your feedback on the app. Thanks all for coming.